All right, welcome back to Providence POV. It is Joe and Peter here with you Monday, February 12th. It's about 5.45. Um, Quick update, quick scheduling update. By the time you're listening to this, it will be Tuesday morning. So barring any last-minute changes, as it stands right now, the Providence-St. John's game scheduled for tomorrow night, that's Tuesday the 13th at 7 p.m., is still on. According to Bill Koch on Twitter, about 30 minutes ago, uh, the game is still scheduled, still stands, um, and the officials are expected to arrive ahead of time. St. John's is already in town, um, so that's the update. According to uh, a couple of sources in our Providence POV Twitter chat, uh, the students no longer have class tomorrow, so (laughs) I think... (laughs) <laughs> that is advantage Providence. Um, but yeah, so unless anything changes between the time that we're recording this and the time that you're listening, the game is still on for 7 p.m. tomorrow. All right. Now that that is out of the way, what's going on? Uh, this was a tough game to lose over the weekend. Uh, battle on the bubble uh, for Providence and Butler, two teams that were desperately in need of a, a signature win like that one. Uh, a very controversial ending uh, with Corey Floyd, whatnot. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but first and foremost, I speak for Peter and everyone involved here at Providence POV when we send a huge congratulations to Josh Oduro, who welcomed his firstborn son into the world, uh, actually a few minutes after tip on Saturday. Um, that is much more important than any game. Uh, very happy for Josh his wife and their family. So a huge congratulations to them. All right, Peter, I, I just talked a lot. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, a lot of things surrounding Providence, as always, Providence basketball. We have the potential St. John's game being moved. Obviously, it's looking like it's going to be on Tuesday. You have one of your players having a kid, which I don't think has ever happened <laughs> to a problems basketball player when he's been in in uniform um, with the team. And then obviously you have the loss to Butler on Saturday afternoon and everything that came with that. Uh, and obviously we're going to get into it, but the Friars narrowly missed a massive quad one win, a massive mm-hmm. resume win, a massive bubble win, a massive Big East win. And now they will towards the rest of the week to try to go 2-0 against St. John's and then eventually DePaul on Saturday night. Yeah. um, By no means is this a um, season-crushing loss. I think, you know, as has been the theme the past couple of weeks here, opportunity still lies in front of us. There are still plenty of Q1 opportunities ahead. Um, So, you know, we control our destiny, but... Uh, if it comes down to it and in March on Selection Sunday and we are still squarely on the bubble, this is a game that will get circled. Um, you know, the selection committee doesn't care that Josh Odoro wasn't there and they certainly don't care that, you know, about the controversial no call at the <laughs> end of the game. Um, so, you know, just calling it as it is, it's the the harsh reality of the situation is that this is a game Providence really needed to, um, you know, take that step forward off the bubble and, you know, 
more or less, you know, I'm not going to say lock down, but um, put yourself in a really good position for an at large. So that's just the reality of the situation. Not trying to be a Debbie Downer here, but let's get into the specifics of the game. Again, common theme here, not going to bury the lead. The way that the game ended in all aspects was just horse shit. (laughs) I mean, uh, really not going to sugarcoat it. Um, And I think, you know, two things are true here, right? Over the final four minutes and one second, Providence did no favors for themselves. Absolutely none. You can't have your last field goal be made with four minutes left in the game and expect to win with a seven-point lead. Not against a team like Butler, not against a team in the Big East, and not against a team that is in the same position as you fighting for you know positioning on the bubble. You just can't do that. On top of that, you can't break down defensively and let Butler go on an 11-1 run. Those two things go hand in hand. Um, with that said, uh, on that final possession, that Corey Floyd uh, dunk attempt, for the officials to not call a foul there, it doesn't make Providence lose the game, but it more or less gives Butler a massive opportunity to win the game because if it wasn't the last play of the game, like if that was in the first half or with like 17 minutes to go in the second half, that's a foul. And I don't care how much of a Butler fan you might be if you're listening to this. I don't care how much of a Providence hater you might be if you're listening to this. If you look at all angles, all replays, there is a hell of a lot of contact there. And it's from two players. So, I mean, for the first time in years, Providence fans were agreeing with Donnie Marshall that that's a bad no call. Again, it didn't lose us the game because of the way that Providence played over the final four minutes, but it helped Butler win the game. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, what you said, and you are you and I kind of tested back and forth, kind of that type of that sentiment, like what you just said, right? Like both can be true, and it's one doesn't change the other, if that makes sense, right? Like exactly. People, like if someone like. I, I saw a lot of people saying and just people texting and all that stuff, people saying, well, just be just because they struggled the last four minutes of the game doesn't mean that's not a foul. Like, that's not how basketball works. That's not how sports work right. in general. There's there's two different arguments and there's two different conversations that basically have nothing to do with each other. Right. Obviously, you could make the argument and if the fires flip the stretch switch and go on 11-1 run instead of Butler going on 11-1 run to end the game, then the Corey Floyd dunk doesn't exist. Right. And I get that. But the the refs don't make that decision, right? Like, they're not like, well, Providence was bad in the last four minutes of the game, so they don't deserve the blatant foul call at the end of the game. Like, that's not how sports work. That's right. not never how it should work. And I agree with you, Joe, right? Like, the Friars did, them, did themselves no favors because – in that final four minutes. And it's unfortunate because the first half was very up and down. The first half went as we ex- probably expected when we heard mm-hmm. the news that Josh Adoro wasn't going to play, that Jaden Pierre wasn't starting because he was sick, right? Down nine and a half at Bower, the team with a better roster on that day. That's how we expected the half to go. Down nine. I was like, okay, we're probably going to lose by eight or nine. It is what it is. We expected it. We move right. on to St. John's. But they played their asses off in the second half. And it's so unfortunate how 
16 minutes of great basketball in the second half, or maybe a little less, whatever. 13 to 16 minutes of great basketball was wasted of poor basketball in the last four minutes. Like, we didn't have to be perfect in the last four minutes. No. We just didn't have to be terrible. We had to be average or a little bit below average. Instead of going down 11-1, you go down 11-4, right? Like, one more basket here and there in the final four minutes, or a basket in the final four minutes, Yep, changes the game. Some free throws, some hesitating on some threes, some not shooting a layup instead of kicking and then kicking it out. That stuff transpired that got Butler back in the game, didn't have a lot of stops, and we struggled down low, right? Like, we struggled in the paint defending, obviously because Josh Adoro was not playing, and Rafael Castro played 12 minutes because, frankly, and I think we've known this for a while, we probably don't want to admit it, he cannot play in the Big East. And it's just kind of obvious, we know that, um, but there's nothing we can do with Josh Adoro not playing. And then you have the refs making – or not making the call that surfaced through Twitter. Like, if you didn't watch the game on Saturday, or let's say you were, I got a family event or something on Saturday, all you had to do was go on Twitter and type in Butler or Providence or Foul or something. Yeah. And that play was surfacing. And, look, I'm not going to say the refs – I'm not I'm not going to just come crashing down on the refs, but that was probably well, – maybe I am, but that was probably the most blatant foul call I've ever seen. He got – I, I texted you, Joe. I was joking with you. He got fouled by two guys. He probably should have been shooting four free throws. <laughs> Obviously, it's a joke. Uh, that's not possible. But he, you could have called a foul on either one of them, and they both were fouls. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, Peter. Two things can be true. Providence pissed away a, a really good second half in the final four minutes, right? That is true. With that said, you're down one with 20 seconds left on the shot clock on a, with an offensive possession and the opportunity to win the game. And I listen, I don't play basketball. I play rugby or I played rugby in college, but I sure as hell know that if I did play basketball and I tried to go up for a shot close to the rim and two guys hit my forearm, that chances are the ball's not going in, but it's okay because you're going to get the opportunity for two free throws to make up for it. That didn't happen. So two things are true here. Providence played a terrible four final four minutes of that second half and put ourselves in the position that we were in with 19 seconds left. The second half of this, which is also true is that any opportunity that Corey Floyd had to reconcile for the, you know, physical debilitation to score because of two other players was also taken away from him. So again, I'm not going to beat the dead horse. We shot ourselves in the foot at the end of the game, but the officials certainly didn't help with that missed call. Um, and again, the result is the result. You know, yeah. a really tough loss on the road that you really could have used to help stat your resume. Um, one, I want to say one final thing about that play before I sure. know we don't want to just talk about it for half an hour because <laughs> yeah. the one final thing that's frustrating about that, that play design, and it maybe it wasn't the play design, but the, how that play kind of worked itself out and I'm going to give credit to the play design was helpful. It was really good. Like Devin Carter drew a double team on the right side or, or closest to us on, if you're watching at home, uh, if you're not at the game, Devin Carter draws a double team. He flips it over or swings it back to Corey Floyd 
and because there's a double team, Corey Floyd has a lane to get to the hoop. <laughs> like right. that play worked. You need you draw a double team with your best player, the guy that in most situations is going to take the final shot in a close game on this team. You draw that and you get Corey Floyd going downhill into the lane. And that yeah. that's also frustrating because I thought it's not like we just stood around and chucked a three at the buzzer. Like the play worked. You got to look at the rim. You got a dunk attempt at the rim. And look, Corey Floyd was not able to score because he was fouled by two guys. And that's very unfortunate. Right. It's not like uh, he didn't score because it rimmed out or he missed the dunk. He didn't score because he got fouled. Yeah, he wasn't able to score. And, and there are Butler fans. <laughs> there are Butler fans on Twitter, like really zooming in on the picture and showing, oh no, his hands on the ball. Okay, where's his forearm? Where's you know uh, I forget who the other was it Pierre Brooks? Where's his other like? How about the guy behind? It's two guys completely smothering him. Like sure, his hand might be on the ball, but his entire forearm is throwing Corey Floyd's forearm down. It's just I'm gonna drive myself nuts if we keep talking about this. Um, A a brutal no call uh, to you know tie together with a shitty final four minutes and we lose the game. Um, But anyway. We're not looking for moral victories here. You know, you are what your record says you are. And, you know, that's just what it is. Uh, There are some good things that we have to talk about in this game. And at the top of that list, (laughs) it's the man of the hour, Corey Floyd Jr. Uh, This was a huge confidence-building game for him. Six for 15 from the floor with 20 points. He drained three crucial uh, three-pointers. He was all over the floor. He was making winning plays, uh, a really solid performance from him. Uh, this could, you know, hopefully turn into a spark that gets that, you know, consistent third score that we've been looking for, right? You know yeah. what Devin Carter can do. You know what Josh Oduro can do. You know, uh, Jaden Pierre, Ticket Gaines have kind of been flirting with that third spot of like, who's going to be our, our our third layer of scoring? Corey Floyd just threw his hat in the ring for that position. Yeah, look, you and I have talked about this a lot, right? Corey Floyd Jr. in Big East. I'm going to focus on Big East play because that's what obviously is more important, and that's what kind of shows who you are as a player uh, in this league. But Corey Floyd Jr. in Big East play has done everything right, has done everything well except score the basketball, right? Like he hustles, he defends, he rebounds, he does all of that besides score the basketball. But this was one of those games that, that heading into the year, we kind of expected out of Corey Ford Jr. Not, look, not 20 points every night, but more of a consistent score. And, look, he had a couple huge threes. A lot of guys did. Uh, I've never seen a Friar team, this, especially this season, shoot that well from three in the second half. And that is one of the reasons they got back into the game and eventually yep. took, took the lead in the second half. But Corey Ford Jr. was great. He was aggressive. And – Something that I've been that I've been preaching, and I think you've been a preach preaching. And when I watch the games, I keep saying this. And this is just not this is not to just Corey Floyd Jr. More guys have to be aggressive. Yep. And we saw Garway when he got it. He he was Garway had seven points, three for five from the field. He had a nice couple layups, had a nice shot, made a three. When he's aggressive, he is good. He just hasn't been aggressive all year. When Corey Floyd Jr. can get downhill and get into the lane. He is good unless he's being fouled at the rim. Like, and when Ticket Gaines is being aggressive, like 
more and Baron was aggressive, and Baron didn't shoot the ball particularly well. But I thought Baron was aggressive getting into the lane. I thought he was aggressive on defense, right? Like I thought a lot of guys stepped up in the absence of Josh Duro, right. and I think more guys. Maybe this is I'm hopefully this is a confidence booster for Garway or for Corey Floyd Jr. because we need those guys to contribute. We don't need Corey Floyd Jr. to score twenty every night. It would be nice. We don't need that. We need eight to ten in consistent shooting and defending and rebounding. But we haven't gotten that consistently out of Carway or Corey Floyd Jr., right? Yeah. But I think if they if this is a confidence booster for some of these guys, it could pay dividends as early as Tuesday night against St. John's. Well, you're right. And this is something Kim English said in the post-game press conference, and that's you know, the young guys had an opportunity to grow up today. And yeah. I couldn't agree more because it was the guys like Corey Floyd, Garway Dual, and Rich Barron that were difference makers, right? Obviously, Devin Carter had 18 points, you know, six for uh, six for 16 shooting, five rebounds. Like he did the Devin Carter things that is expected, right? But you look at the young guys; they stepped up and out of their comfort zone. And I, I love the way you said it; they were aggressive, right? Very rarely this season have we seen Garway Dual, you know, drive into the lane and take a jump stop, you know. And, and sink it right mm-hmm. or rich baron playing 32 minutes not a great shooting night for him but when he did shoot it he shot it with confidence so in the absence of not only bryce hopkins but josh oduro when you really need that extra layer of scoring to have it evenly distributed amongst those guys and maybe not evenly because floyd had 20 but baron chipped in with eight dual had seven right mm-hmm. and then even you know Jaden pierre who was playing um uh, Kevin, I don't forget who it was. I think it was Kevin McNamara said he was sick, um, which was incorrect. He has a calf injury, but even Jaden Pierre playing through injury with seven points, like those are the types of performances where, okay, maybe not stat stuffers, but they're providing impact. And we saw that impact in the second half. Um, yeah. So it was a really good night for the youth on this team. Um Again, these aren't moral victories, but they are, uh, you know, positives that we need to call out. We need to give the credit where mm-hmm. it is due, because aside from the the ending of the game, Providence put together a really good second half and was outplaying Butler on their home court without their starting center and without Bryce Hopkins, who played a major role in the first matchup. So, if I'm a Butler fan. I'm shaking right now. Yeah. If I'm Providence, you know, I'm pissed about the way the game ended, but I'm feeling pretty good, you know? Yeah, like, that's also one of the reasons this game was so frustrating because, or how, how how the game ended was so frustrating because I thought guys stepped up where it looked like in the first half, Joe, we were going to lose by nine, right? Like, yep. it just didn't look like, it looked like the game that when you and I were texting beforehand when we found out officially Josh Adora wasn't going to play that we expected. And that's like that's okay, right? Like, it's yeah. it's not easy to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse fully healthy and win, right? But it's not easy to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse without your second best player who's probably coming off his best basketball game right. ever. And he also has a favorable matchup. Like, that was when we talked about on the most recent episode and you texted me that as well. Like we talked about Duro, like this was a favorable matchup for him based mm-hmm. off the personnel on Butler and how they're more of a guard and forward team, less of a center team. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that he did not get to play because I thought 
uh, he could have capitalized, and I think this team does win. Uh, if he does have a door, if we do have a door, it doesn't really matter, but it's just a little frustrating based on how many guys stepped up. And you said no moral victories, and I, I agree that doesn't exist really in sports, but I'm no. proud of how the team kind of showed up. They could have laid down and just got boat raced. And it looked like they were going to, and they battled in that second half. And look, I agree. Look, I but after giving the Butler, doesn't really move the needle in terms of uh, I was looking at bracket brackets. Doesn't really move the needle for them based on the fact that no, it doesn't. It doesn't. They're yeah, they're five and a half point favorites. They're at home. We don't have Josh Duro. They're supposed to win, not a quad one win. It doesn't really move the needle for Butler. But if I was a Butler fan, I would be like, okay. What went wrong in that second half? Because we could have easily lost this game, probably should have lost this game, and now we have kind of a tough stretch coming up with your baller, and it just it opens up a can of worms, in my opinion. When you enter that game from from the Providence side of things, from from the Providence point of view of things, um, it, it, knowing that you're without Josh Oduro, knowing how important of a role. Bryce Hopkins played in that first matchup. You chalk this up as a Butler win and a Providence loss, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you knowing all of that and not watching the game and looking at the final score in the box sheet, I would be thrilled, right? Like we're down, Josh. Uh, again, no Bryce Hopkins. Corey Floyd Jr. stepped up, had a huge game. The freshman uh, had you know level you know performances and played with confidence and aggression. That's all that's that's all great, right? Like those are all positive things to take away. Again, not moral victories, but positives. Um, it's unfortunate that all of that now gets tainted by the way that the game ended. And people are probably gonna be pissed that we keep coming back to that. But again, well, it, it just it, it kind of dampens the 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 good things that Providence did in a really tough situation. Yeah, because if you don't get fouled there, you dunk it, you win the game. We're talking about. We're not talking about a collapse in the final four minutes. We might have. We might have mentioned. Well, we, st- for, we probably still would have talked about the collapse. We would have mentioned it for a minute, but we would have mentioned. Oh, but this is how Corey Floyd shows up in the last five seconds, and we win the game, and it shows the battle of the team. Something like, well, like it, that. It would have been more to the tune of Jesus Christ. Or I probably really shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, sh- oh shit! We we almost coughed it up by not scoring and playing terrible defense over the final four minutes, but. The man of the game, Corey Floyd Jr., had a sick dunk to end, uh, to take the lead and win the game. That's that's not what happened. Yeah. And look, if you're a Butler fan, you got a tough stretch coming up. You got Marquette, you got Creighton, you got Nova, you got Seton Hall, and you got the Johnnies in the next five games. Like that's right. a that's a stretch, right? And the Big East has always wins available for you and resume wins. And look, Joe, after that. Flipping back to Providence because we're not a Butler podcast, but flipping back to Providence after that embarrassing loss at Villanova, the Friars responded with a one and one week, right? Like I don't think after that Sunday night loss against Nova, they could have like it looked like they were going to get smoked against Creighton and yep. Butler, just how they played. They have a massive win against Creighton, right? Huge resume win gets them right back into the mix of the bubble when they were kind of fading out of it, and then the Butler loss doesn't move them back it just it would have moved them obviously forward but they they have a one-on-one week against Creighton and the Butler team Creighton's ranked and the Butler's right on the bubble middle of the pack of the Big East but you got another you got another week coming up you have a St. John's team right another bubble team that if you can beat them this time 
Obviously, you could potentially jump them in the Big East standings and jump them on the bracket, and then you got to take care of business, obviously, against DePaul, which is not a resume win, but a, a win on Saturday, which is a conference win. Yeah. Um, great transition there. Uh, so this week, Providence uh, has a homestand. We have St. John's tomorrow night, 7 p.m., and then DePaul comes to town on Saturday, which I believe is accepted students day. So, you know, should we, should we go back? Cause we used to be former students. I think so. They should have a day for, and they do have a day for that. That was true. Do they have an alumni game? I don't think they do. No, they have an alumni weekend. I know that. Obviously, they should they make don't. alumni. They should weekend. have an alumni game. What the hell? Right. They should make alumni weekend in the winter. I don't know why they do it in the fall. Just do it. It's twice. not. It's not like homecoming where we have a football team. No, they should have an alumni. You could do it. They. They Yeah. Why not? Okay. You should anyway. email them. Yeah. Yeah. Suggestion box. Anyway. Um. It, so, this is a uh, you know. Uh, again, the the reality of the situation here is this has to be a two and zero week. Um, you know, you, you, with this final stretch of games, I think it's six or seven games here at the end of the season. You need to win all of your home games, minus you know maybe UConn. But again, we're not talking about that game yet. Uh, the you almost won, or Providence almost won at St. John's earlier in January and it was, you know, a kind of a similar script to what we saw at Butler on Saturday. Providence plays a really shitty first half goes down 11 at halftime and then proceeds to outscore St. John's 44 35 in the second half and loses, right? Here's the difference. Providence lost that game on a missed, you know, three quarter court heave. Or no, I'm sorry. Uh, 25, just over half court heave yeah. uh, from three from Jaden Pierre, right? St. John's put Providence in a position where we were down, but we had an opportunity to at least get a Hail Mary up to win the game. Um, so ideally, if that's the way you play on the road against the team, at home against that team, you know, you should hold home serve. So obviously things are easier said than done. Um I think a storyline to monitor for the St. John's game is the status of Josh Oduro now that he is a new father. I don't know if he plans to suit up for that game. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play. I would hope so. Um, it would be a problem. If not, if Josh doesn't play, uh, well. Yeah, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. It, it's kind of a catch-22 here because – Josh has been playing really well for us lately. However, in the first matchup, uh, you know, Joel Soriano kind of took his lunch money. He was two for eight from the floor with five points. He did have nine rebounds. And this was also during a stretch when he was nursing an ankle injury, according to Kim English. So, uh, you, you know, ideally you'd like to have a full strength, healthy Josh Oduro with his new dad energy playing against arguably the best big man in the conference. Do you want Rafael Castro playing against Joel Soriano? Absolutely not. That's a question. And, and here's the thing. I like Castro. He's a a minute. He's like a hustle guy, right? Like you could tell like he wants to make an impact. Yeah. But from an outside looking in perspective, it looks like he has a lot of trouble with confidence and just strength. I think he just gets out he just gets beat out physically by a lot of these big guys and you know that's not really 
anything. There's nothing you could do about that midseason. You can't go and gain 50 pounds in three weeks. I mean, you could, but you can't do it the right way. Um, but anyway, uh, Josh Oduro, <laughs> that was such a long-winded tangent. Josh Oduro is a storyline to watch. Devin Carter obviously put up a monster performance at the Garden against the Johnnies the first time around with 13 points and uh, 13 rebounds and 31 points. Uh, ticket gains and Jaden Pierre provided some great support. Jaden had 17 and had three threes. Ticket had 11. So the guys played well against St. John's the first time around. Ideally, you'd hope that home court advantage, you know, kind of gets you over the hump the second time through. Yeah. Yeah, this is like you don't want to lose two games to a team, right? In the big you don't East play. No, you sense. don't want to get swept, especially a team on the bubble, right? Because mm-hmm. you lose on Tuesday against St. John's, and then it's just kind of like, okay, well, if St. John's keeps winning and they stay in the bubble, you kind of have to pencil them ahead of you, right? Like that's just yep. the nature of it. You can say, oh, well, I think we have a better resume, but well, they beat you twice, and they beat you at home, and then they beat you in your building, and and that that's kind of the nature of what Tuesday is. Uh, it's a huge. It's a once again, it's a huge swing in the Big East and the Big East Conference. Uh, and a lot of the games upcoming this week and through the next week and half to two weeks are huge uh, Big East swing games based off how many teams are so similar in record and how now, obviously, how important these games are outside of Georgetown and uh, DePaul playing. Right. But, look, you need I think you need Josh Adoro, right? One of the reasons we didn't get fully killed down low against Butler is because they don't have a true big man. Um Jalen Thomas is, I know he had nine points. He's not a really, a, he's not great down well. He's not a true big man. Um, he's more of just uh, your quote unquote shot blocker. And so is screen. Um, but they started getting a little too physical for us down well in the last four minutes. I think you do, you, obviously, you do need, I don't know why I'm saying like that. You do need Josh Adoro to play on Tuesday night. Uh, if he doesn't play, then I don't love our chances, even though we're home. I, I just think he adds so much impact down low and in the scoring sheet as well but this is as close you're as you're going to get to a must win at this point of the no, season. this is a must this is a okay. must win yeah like hypothetically it's really it's not but essentially it is because you need you need to win your home games you need to beat a bubble team you can't get swept by st john's and you need another resume right yeah um, you got to find you got to go two and this week you got to beat st john's and obviously you have to beat the pole yeah, th- th- this is a must-win week. Um, you know, a-, a loss at home to DePaul, which is like absolute—that's oh, that is absolute rock bottom. Like oh, that—that that is rock, rock bottom. A home loss to DePaul, you can pack it up and expect an NIT bid unless you win the Big East tournament. Like that's the reality of the situation. But again, not entertaining that right now. Um, the Tuesday night's game is a must-win for a couple of reasons. And you hit on a lot of them, Peter. You're fighting for positioning on the bubble with a team that is in a similar position as you. You're fighting for Big East tournament standings and seedings with, again, a team that right now holds, excuse me, the tiebreaker advantage over you despite record, right? Providence, St. John's, and Villanova are all tied at six and seven in conference play, Mm -hmm. but. Providence in terms of tiebreakers is on the bottom of those three and would essentially be the nine seed because 
we've lost to St. John's and because we've lost to Villanova, even if overall record is better than theirs. Um, and, you know, the, the last and final layer of this is you're at home, right? Like you, if you have a bubble team show up to your home gym and you're also on the bubble, you got to beat them. It, it's, it's, it's college basketball 101. It's Big East 101. Bubble home games are must wins. Um, really not much else to it. Uh, you know, we could talk, you know, the, the youngest uh, versus oldest uh, matchup in coaching. Um, but quite frankly, you know, Thad Matta is also an experienced coach. And I, I, I kind of think Kim English ran circles around him on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Yeah, that's yeah, I don't think it was a Butler's uh, – if you're going to look at their best performances this year, it probably wasn't Butler's best. No, and Both. Dad Matt is a good coach too. That's not a knock on him. It's just no, reality of the situation is Kim English was down his starting center and you know we were we were comfortably holding a, a, a two or three possession lead for points in time during the second half with ticket gains as our center. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, final thing because we we want we don't have to ramble on with St. John's talk, right? Like St. John's coming in, losing three out of four. They've lost to Adex. They lost to UConn. They beat DePaul and they lost to Marquette. So they've lost three out of four. Their only win being DePaul. I guess um, they won two out of five. The other one being Villanova. But before that Villanova win, they had three losses to Creighton, Seton Hall, and Marquette. After they beat us, Joe, they have two wins. And they have six losses. So basically what I'm saying here, after they beat us uh, 75-73, they're 2-6 and six in their eight games uh, leading up to the second matchup against Providence. So this team's not coming in playing their best basketball. Their two wins are a home win against DePaul and a home win against Villanova. So they're not coming in playing their best basketball. They have struggled on the road, losing at Marquette, at X, at Seton Hall, at Creighton since beating us. So they've lost all four of their road games since beating us at home. This is a game you have to win. You should win. And I do think they do win if what I mean, they do. I mean, Providence wins if Josh Adoro is playing. Yeah. It's kind of funny. You say that I'm looking at the side by side here, Providence and St. John's have essentially done the same exact thing in the win loss column over the past five games. Our both teams are coming off of a loss before that, a win before that, a two game losing streak. And before that, a win both teams, are two and three over their last five. So really interesting. These teams, like, like, like we've been saying, they are more or less in a very similar position on the bubble. Um, I think, you know, St. John's having Patino as their coach does, you know, help the national perspective a little bit. And that's all I'll say about it. But um, you're right, Peter. I, I think if Josh Oduro is suited up and obviously pending, uh, the calf injury to Jaden Pierre. I think if both of those things are, are, you know, bouncing our way that Providence should win this game again, that's why they play because, you know, if it was all what ifs and should haves, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd still have Bryce Hopkins and we'd be at the top of the league. So I think that's going to do it. Any closing thoughts, Peter must win, must win on Tuesday. You got to come, you got to come firing uh, St. John's, like we just mentioned, is not coming in playing their best basketball. I think Providence has to use that pain uh, that they probably felt in the locker room after Saturday's loss, knowing uh, what happened in the final play, 
mm-hmm. not getting the call, and then letting the game slip away in the final four minutes, a game that they probably should have never been even in before in beforehand. Uh, use that pain. Uh, time to go 2-0 this week of the win over St. John's and DePaul. Yep, 100%. All right. Providence will take on St. John's. That's going to be tomorrow, February 13th at 7 p.m. That game is going to be on CBS Sports Network. You'll hear from us again Friday morning. Um, today is February 12th, so shout out. Happy birthday to my mom. We're actually going to get hibachi after this. Happy birthday. Um and as always, this podcast is brought to you by House Enterprise. Head over to our website. The link is in our uh, link tree, which is in all of our bios. So head over there. But for Peter DiBiase, this is Joe Howie. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Friars. Go Friars. <laughs>